Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Trailhead. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am honored that you have chosen to worship with us. I do want to remind you, if you're watching on Facebook or on Vimeo, to make sure you like us on social media. Go ahead and click through and, and like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you hang out. We push out information and content on a regular basis, and we'd love for you to engage with us. Um, I got a text recently from a friend, and um, and he was just like, man, it's it's been a perfect storm. It's been a perfect storm of personal stress, of, of financial difficulties, of, of social um, conflict. He's like, I'm just exhausted. I'm just exhausted. I don't, I'm just exhausted. And, and I hear that a lot. Like, I, one of the things, like, I talked about this a couple weeks ago when I asked somebody how they're doing. Man, it's always like, man, I'm just, I'm tired. Everything is harder in this season right? Everything is, is more exhausting. And there are two dangers uh, that can come in a season like this. Um, the one is, is that we just kind of give up on ever having enough strength. And, and so we kind of just are doing our best to hold our breath until we get to the other side. And that really doesn't work real well. And so we feel like we're drowning the entire time. The other is, is to exercise the wrong kind of power to deal with the problems, to, to engage the wrong kind of strength to enable us to get to the other side. Um, both of those are real problems, and that's kind of what we're going to dig into de- today. If we're going to stand in God's true strength, man, we need to learn how to lay down our fake strength, our false strength, our, our deceptive and destructive strength. So that's, that's where we're going this morning. Our passage in, in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 6 uh, begins with, with a command, right? In, in Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. I planned on, on kind of using this verse as a springboard to get into the armor this morning, um, but I made the mistake of asking a simple question. Um, what in the world does this actually mean? Uh, this is the kind of verse you find on, on a mug, right? This is the kind of verse that would be on a poster, a motivational poster, maybe with a cat hanging from a tree, or I don't know, but, but it's the kind of verse that, that we kind of get used to hearing, and we get so used to hearing it that we never pause to actually ask what it means. Literally, y'all, what, what does it mean to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might? So I dug into this. And the more I dug, honestly, the more I found. And so we're spending our entire time this morning on this single verse. And, uh, and some of what we're going to be jumping through um, is going to be a little technical. And, and, um, and I'm hoping you'll stick with me through it, okay? Because if you can endure the technical stuff, there are, I think, some powerful points that come out on, on the other side of this thing, right? Because I'm, I'm looking at these questions. Man, what is the strength he's talking about? And how do I actually practically engage it, right? Because I'm exhausted. I'm tired and I need strength. I, I need to obey this command, not just to obey God, but for my good. So to answer these questions, we're going to have to talk a little bit about power. And I know for some of you, as soon as I start talking about power, um, you're like, you know, I think I'm just going to check out for the rest of the time because power is not my thing. Right? I know there are people out there that are into power. They really like power. They, they look to get elected into positions of power. They like to be recognized. 
I'm, I'm just not into power, so I, I don't think that really applies to me. Well, here's the thing, y'all. Everybody's interested in power. Everybody exercises power. Because you can't get what you want without exercising the power to get it, right? Look again at our passage because I want to highlight one word. Now, it's not one word in the English, but it's one word in the underlying Greek that, that I think creates a, a pretty powerful pattern, right? It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Jumping down a little bit, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. All right, the reason I, I underline those three words, be strong, be able, and be able, is that all three of them actually have the same Greek root, right? The same root word is at the heart of them, and it's, it's the root word duna, right? Which, from which we, we actually get the English word dynamite from, from this root word. It, it means power, the power to be able, right? That's what the word means, the capacity, the power to be able, right? Um, power is, is what takes us from having a desire for something to actually having the capacity for it, right? That's, that's the bridge between that gap, between having the desire and the capacity, power, right? We want a lot of things. We can't always get a lot of things. And what's missing in between is the power or the capacity to get there, right? I have a desire for a hole in the side of the mountain, and dynamite is the power, that turns that desire into capacity, dunamis. Dunamis is the word for the power of capacity, the power of being able to do, right? So, so I want to be clear up front, power is not a bad thing, right? Some people are like, oh, power is bad, everybody, no. And wanting power is not bad. Power is actually a good thing. Power is our ability to do what we want to do or to get what we want to get or accomplish what we want to accomplish. Power by itself is necessary for life, we all have it, we all exercise it, and we all want more of it. So, so in the beginning, he's saying, be strong in the Lord. Be powerful in the Lord. Now, the Greek here, again, helps us because it doesn't just say be powerful or be strong. The verb is actually in the passive voice, which, which means that um, what he's saying is, is be continually strengthened in the Lord. Be com continually made capable in the Lord. Be continually freed into power in the Lord. Find your capacity for action. Find your strength to be able to get what you want to get or do what you want to do or, 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 or get what you need to get, right? in the Lord, right? Be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened in the Lord. Okay, there's our start, right? There's our start, that, that word dunamis, which ties the whole, the, the, all three of these verses together, right? Be strong, because that's what's going to enable you to be able, right? But the verse goes on, right? Take a look at the verse again. Finally, be strong in the Lord, be strengthened, be, be made capable in the Lord, and in the strength of his might, in the strength of his might. So find your capacity to be able to fix something or to change something or to endure something or to or attain something, right? 
Find your capacity in the Lord and in the strength of His might. We have two more words in the Greek that are similar to the first one, but not the same. So the first one is rooted duna, right? Um, Dunamao is the, the be strong, right? Uh, we find two more words here. Strength, which is the Greek word kratos, um, and that word means a reserve of strength, right? So, so duna words mean the capacity, the action, right? The capacity that allows you to act, right? Kratos talks about a reserve of, of strength, right? So where dunamis means power and action, kratos talks about power and reserve. Um, the power often is referred to the power to rule, right? It's not in action, but it is present, the power to rule, the power to exercise dominion, uh, the power to overwhelm and to overcome, right? Picture a, a deep well filled with resting power and authority, right? That, that's Kratos, a deep well filled with, with resting power and authority, power on, on reserve. And, and what it's filled with is his might, that's what's in the well, his might, that final word, right? With the strength of his might. That, that final word is iskus, at the root of it is iskus. And, and, and like our first word, iskus, um, it can be translated be strong, right? Uh, it means to have the capacity to take that power and to put it into action. So it means the same thing as be strong. The difference is in the, uh, the level right? It, it means the same thing. It has the same denotation, but it has a different connotation, right? So be strong means to be able to put regular power into action to get what I want to get or to do what I want to do. This, this final word that, that, that is might, that comes from that Greek word iskus, uh, it, it, means something, it means the same thing, but in a different degree, right? It means an impressive capacity to do, an overwhelming capacity, strength, or power to accomplish. It's the difference between dynamite and a nuclear bomb, right? They, they do the same thing, but on very, very different scales, right? So, so that's kind of the, the, the difference, right? What we're talking about is um, uh, a, a much more powerful expression of capability. So what he's saying, listen, is, is find your power in the Lord, right? Find your power to do, to achieve, to accomplish, to change. Find your power in the Lord by drawing strength from the deep well of His authority and capacity to do anything, right? We are to find our power to get stuff done. We are to find our power to be able to change ourselves or to change situations. We are to find our power to accomplish a, a worthy task or an exhausting daily task. We are to find our power to overcome something that's hard, uh, to, to endure something that is painful, right? We are to find our power to do these things in the Lord, in the deep well of his, of his exponential authority and capacity to accomplish, to do his power, right? We're to find this in relationship with God and in the deep well of his authority and capacity. Now, before we talk about how this plays out in day-to-day -day life, because this is going to get practical, um, as I dug into this, 
I found a pattern kind of emerging in the book of Ephesians that I hadn't seen before. Um, that, that this at the very end, right, uh, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? Finally. Well, I always thought that meant that this is kind of his final command in the book. And, and it does and, and it can mean that. But I think it's also a way of tying in a theme that he has been subtly developing through the letter. I, I hadn't seen this, this clearly before, right? Um, there is something he's doing in this letter that I want to show you. And I'm specifically going to show you through his prayers. He offers a prayer for the Ephesians in, in Ephesians chapter 1 and another one in Ephesians chapter 3. So I'm going to show you this prayer, kind of read through it and walk with you. We're not going to spend a ton of time exegeting all of it, but I want to highlight some, some, some really important pieces that I think will help us understand how to practically live out this, this verse, right? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. All right, so take a look. This is Ephesians 1, verses 16 through 21. I'm going to show it to you in sections. First of all, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is Paul praying for the Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. So, so consider right there, he is praying that the Ephesians might be blessed with the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, coming in and giving them wisdom they don't currently have, and of revelation, revealing things to them they don't currently see, right? And then he gets more specific. Specifically, I'm praying that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened, that that you might understand something you don't currently understand, that you might see something you don't currently see, that, 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 that you might experience something you're not currently experiencing, right? This is my prayer for you, Ephesians. Now, now look specifically what he's praying. There are three things Paul is praying that the eyes of their hearts might be enlightened about. First of all, that you might know what is the hope to which he has called you, right? The beautiful hope of the gospel. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to preach that this morning. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That's the second one right? Just how incredibly valuable the church is to God, how much he loves it. And in fact, it's, it's not just that he loves it. He has a, a storehouse of riches. It's his inheritance. We have an inheritance. He has an inheritance and it's us. Hold the sermon. That's all I'm going to say on that. But the third one, this is where I want us to go. And thirdly, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? Dunamis. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power? toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, kratos ichthus, or, or, or uh, sorry, uh, iskus, ichthus means fish, iskus means might, great might, all three words used in the very opening chapter, right? What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, right? So, so the third thing that he's praying is that, is that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, that we might see the immeasurable greatness of his power, his ability to do. His ability to accomplish, his ability to bridge the gap between desire and fulfillment, right? It is, it is a power that is, that is working his great might. It is coming out of that deep well of infinite authority and capacity, right? He prays that the eyes of our heart might be open to this incredible power, he says, that is toward us. 
right? The preposition here indicates motion, right? And, and so what, what, this, what this means is that this, he's opening, that the, the, the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened to see this power that is moving to us from God, through us in the Spirit, and out of us in works um, led by the Spirit, right? It is an overwhelming power, the very power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand of God, right? Take a look at the rest of the prayer. Fall far above, right? Seated him at the right hand of God, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. The power of God exercised, raised Jesus from the dead. It is resurrection power. We're talking about incredible capacity to do. Incredible authority to do it. This immeasurably great power raised our king from the dead and established his kingdom. So Paul opens his letter to the Ephesians with a prayer that that they, that we, will have our eyes enlightened, progressively enlightened, to see this incredible power. Not just to have a theological knowledge of it. Not just to have an awareness that it exists somewhere, somehow, but that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened to see that it is toward us, in us, through us, through the work and the presence of the Spirit that He has given us. The dunamis, the capacity to do, that flows from His kratos and, and uh, iskus, his, his deep well of authority and capacity. All right, that helps a little bit more. The power we are to be continually strengthened with is resurrection power. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead. The very power that raised our king from the dead and established his kingdom. But I want to show you something else in his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, let me just show you this prayer and, and highlight one thing there, okay? In, in 3, he says, I bow, my, uh, I bow my knees before the Father, again, another prayer for the Ephesians, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Uh, strengthened is kratos and, and power is dunamis. Okay, the root there, that you might be, um, you might find a deep well of strength with the power to, the capacity to, to accomplish or to do or to change or to endure, right, what, through the Spirit in your inner being. And he goes on and he says, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength, this is iskus, that third word, right? That, that means his immeasurable capacity to accomplish, right? All three words are used, and Paul is praying that, that we might be strengthened with this power, that we might have strength to do what? Look at the rest of the prayer. To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All right, Paul prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, 
that, that, that we would have an increasing awareness and, 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 and be able to see the reality and experience the reality of the superabounding power of God at work toward us, in us, through us, right? The very power that raised Jesus from the dead. And now he's praying that that power would open our eyes progressively and continuously to comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ that surpasses understanding so that we might be rooted and grounded in love and ever growing in our awe of the power of God's love. And, and, and this comes from God's power and it leads back to God's power. Look at the end of this prayer, uh, these final verses. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul, Paul, as he's uttering this, writing this prayer out, is himself just floored again by the reality of what he is explaining to them. And it, it awakens within him this, this kind of a, this explosion of praise and gratitude um, to God for his surpassing power in us and through us. A power of God at work, the resurrection power of God that awakens us ever increasingly to an awe and an appreciation of his love. Do, do you catch that? The power is love, and it awakens us to an ever-increasing appreciation of love. So, so we're rooted and grounded in love, and we're led to appreciate God's love, which then roots us and grounds us further in love, which awakens us. Are you catching what's happening here? The power that is actually moving us to appreciate love is love. And it is the appreciation of love that increases our experience of the power. It is the power of God at work in us that awakens us to love, increases our experience of love, roots us and grounds us in love, and then gives us a more profound experience of His love. Whew. All right, so, all right, that's technical. If you're still with me, praise God. All right, if you're still hanging with me, thank you. Uh, I know when I start getting into Greek words and I'm going to different passages and, and, and I know I'm just, I'm, I'm testing you a little bit. Um, here's the thing, y'all. This passage that we're studying is about putting on the full armor of God. Some of you are like, Steve, I know. We've been waiting for you to get to the full armor. I know. But, but if we're going to put on the full armor of God, if we're going to be able to have the strength to stand against the schemes of the enemy, if we're going to be able to withstand the withering blast of these evil days, we must find our power in the right place and exercise our power to the right end. You following me? We have to find our power in the right place, and then we have to exercise our power to the right end. If we don't, we may accomplish things, but we will increasingly find ourselves weak. We may, we may be able to hold our breath and, and, and make it through, but we will not find ourselves abounding in the strength that's been promised us in the gospel. 
Here's the thing, y'all. Many of us are not experiencing this supernatural, abounding strength because we are addicted to using worldly power. Instead of abandoning ourselves to the power of God manifest in the crucifixion of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, the the love of God extended to us that humbles us and frees us to love others, the economy of love that drives the kingdom of God. And instead instead of trusting God and growing in our awe of His love and our experience of love, we lean into other power structures, other power patterns to try to accomplish what we want to accomplish, try to do what we want to do. And it is this false strength that leads to our experience of weakness. It is this false faith that betrays us into an experience of woundedness. Listen, if we're going to be able to withstand, as we're told to, to stand against the schemes of the enemy, to withstand in this evil day, we must find our power in the right place and exercise it to the right end. So three points as we wrap up to make this practical. First, even as Paul has prayed for us that we, the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened, I think we need to pray with that prayer. First of all, let's pray for eyes to see our misuse of personal power. Let's pray for eyes because here's the thing. Remember, the schemes of the enemy are deceitful, right? The schemes of the enemy are, are seductive. And so we're not going to see our misuses of power obviously and easily. They're, they're too convenient for us. They're, they're too easy for us. They're, they're too seductively alluring for our pride and, and, and um, too counterintuitive for our flesh. Pray. Pray for eyes to see your misuse of personal power. Right? There's an old saying that says, how you do anything is how you do everything. Did you catch that? An old saying that says, how you do anything is how you do everything. Right? We have this way of, of creating um, these walls in our minds. And, and, and we like to think of ourselves at our best moments and think, that's who I really am. And then we think of ourselves at our worst moments and think, I don't know where that guy came from. Right? He's an aberration. He, I don't know how he showed up. Right? How we do anything is how we do everything. Listen, it's one of the schemes of the devil to trick you into thinking that you can exercise self-centered worldly power to achieve kingdom goodness. That, that you can exercise power that, that is abusive, power that is selfish, power that is self-centered, power that, that is designed not to lead you into humble dependence on God, but is designed to keep you in, in, in prideful independence from God. That you can exercise that kind of power and somehow still gain kingdom goodness, right? Paul commands us to be continually finding our power in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, right? Dunamis, find, be strengthened in the Lord. Find your power to do in the Lord and in the strength of His might, right? Find your power in the deep well of His resurrection power, in the deep well of His love. Be rooted and grounded in love and, and grow in law, love, uh, awe for, for God's overwhelming um, power of love. Listen, how we do anything is how we do everything. So we need to pray that God will show us how we do things. That God will show us our motives and our methods because they're not natural for us to see. If we use worldly power in small things, 
That tells us that we lean on the same power in big things, right? How you behave in the quiet moments in your home, how you exercise power with your, with your spouse or your children or, or with your friends or your enemies, how you exercise power on social media, how you exercise power in the grocery store, on the highway, how you exercise power in relation to things you like and in, thing, in relation to things you don't like, reveals to you where you're finding the source of your power. Whether you are leaning on yourself and digging into your independent ability to do, to be, to change, or if you are increasingly finding your power in your relationship with God and in His love for you. See, worldly power, once we gain eyes to see it, we can find it. Worldly power is all about me, right? It comes from me and it's for me, right? The idea is that if I pull the right lever, I will get the right result. And so the key is just to find the right lever, Right? So worldly power is all about deciding what lever will get me the result that, that I, I crave. Right? So, so maybe that's force. Right? Bullies use force. Physical intimidation. Um, verbal intimidation. If you find yourself in a conversation and you don't like the direction it's going, but you find your voice getting louder, that's worldly power. That's an, that's an expression of self-centered, you're bullying, you're powering up, right? Some people over-intellectualize when they find themselves in, in places they don't like, right? They, they start using um, words or phrases or, or, or maybe even using just the strength of their intellect to shut other people down. You see this all the time on social media where, where somebody will come in and be like, boom, here's all this information you've never heard of. I'm not going to tell you where I got it because you're too dumb and you should have known it anyway, right? That, that is a worldly expression of power bullying that is meant to, to, to intimidate, to, to make others small, to create less space, right? Whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, verbal force. Shame. Shame is, is a worldly tool of power, right? When you, you try to make people feel exposed and vulnerable, right? We see this all the time, um, both on the left and on the right, we see it in, in social media. It's human, right? When snark is a form of, of using shame, right? If somebody says something and we're like, that's so stupid, I'm now justified in mocking you and exposing you and making you feel vulnerable, right? My greatest goal here is to make you go crawl under something and hide, right? That's, that's worldly power, right? Using shame to motivate. If I pull this lever, I'll get the result I want. Guilt using relational guilt, right? I've done so much for you. You're indebted to me. That's what guilt is, right? Shame is about who I am. Guilt is about what I've done. And so when we use guilt to motivate people, we're, we're, we're using things we've done or ways we've served or, or, or um, relational connections, right? You kind of owe me, you, right? So we use guilt to, to motivate, right? We can even use things like serving as, as a worldly form of power. And you're like, how can serving be, be wrong? Well, when we serve to get, we serve people who we think are going to give us what we want to get, right? Whether it's serving somebody who has a boat so that you can go out with them on the weekend or serving somebody with a position of power so that you can be um, brought into an inner circle of power. How do you know if you're serving to get? Well, let me ask you something. Would you offer the same level of service to somebody who can give you nothing as you do to those who can give you something? Would you offer the same level of service to somebody who, who has nothing to give you and, in fact, possibly annoys you, 
right? As you would to somebody who, who you find attractive, who you want to be near, who you think somehow is going to make you, you, you more attractive or more enriched or more find benefits with, right? That's worldly. That's worldly power, exercise of worldly power, self-centered, right? Manipulation, any form of manipulation where I'm using a carrot and a stick, where I'm like, if you do this, you'll get this. And when they don't, well, now you're going to get this, right? Any form of manipulation where I'm, I'm, I'm um, maybe even with my affection, right? Well, if, if you'll do this, I'll be more pleasant. Or, 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 or if you behave this way or look this way or do these things, right? Listen, these are all exertions of power. They're all ways of pulling a lever to try to get a result, and they're all worldly. They're, they're all abusive forms of power to try to get what we want, not by leaning on the God who has a power we don't understand and is greater than we can use. No, it's leaning on ourselves and, and trying to use what we have at hand to get what we want, to, to get the change that we want or the result that we want or the experience that we want. Listen, we need to grow in our ability to see our own self-centered use of power so that we can repent of it. So that when we see it, we can apologize for it. We can own it, right? We can, we can repent of it. We can, we can choose not to exercise abusive power, right? If we don't see it, we're going to keep experiencing it and using it and abusing others with it, right? We need to see it so that we can repent of it, right? Secondly, we need to pray for eyes to see our misuse of systemic power, right? So personal power, right? We need to pray for eyes to see the misuse of our personal power. We need to pray for eyes to see our misuse of systemic power, right? Now, I know some of you get a little creeped out when I start using the word systemic. And, and just, again, let me, let me clarify what I mean by this because it's a deeply biblical concept. It's not a political concept. It is a biblical concept, right? Every individual... Um, has and tries to increase their experience of, of personal power, right? We've established that. that that's just true, right? We all want to be able to get what we want. We want, it, we want to get it when we want to get it. We want to experience it in the way we want to experience it, right? So, so we protect what we want and, and, and we destroy what we don't want, right? That's on a personal level. We, we gravitate toward things that empower us and we avoid things that disempower us. And in that process, we band together with others who want similar things that we want, right? We find ourselves in, in circles where we all want the same things and we're all looking to exercise our power in the same way to get them. Maybe not the same exact way, but in the same direction. And what we do is we end up creating systems of power together, right? That, that's part of culture making. Every human group, every human generation, every, every human demographic does this. We, we create systems of power, and, and those systems of power include everything from neighborhood associations to national governments. They're all ways of organizing together for the purpose of harnering, harnessing systemic power so that we can bridge the gap between what I want and what I can actually experience, what I desire and what I can actually get. We create systems that decide who gets what treatment and why. We create systems, uh, who gets off easy, who gets off hard, and who doesn't get in at all, right? We all create systems because we are uh, social beings, right? Since we misuse personal power and, and because uh, we, we are deeply embedded with sinful selfishness, we need to pray for eyes to see not just how we personally misuse power, but how we 
um, actively and passively participate in systems that misuse power, that misuse power for the benefit of some at the expense of others. And I'll tell you what, you see the systems that come at your expense, I guarantee it. The systems that empower some at your expense, you see those, you feel those, you resent those. The systems you have a really hard time seeing are the ones that benefit you at the expense of others. Those are the ones we don't want to see because there's a cost in seeing them, right? We have to, we have to admit there's a benefit to those systems. But man, we, we definitely see the ones that disadvantage us and, and, and we definitely squeal about those, right? So, so here's the thing. I want you to hear, this is a matter of love, right? I can't love my neighbor and also ignore how I'm finding benefit from his suffering. I can't love my neighbor and justify not working to ensure that he gets the same treatment that I get, right? It's love. This is about love, right? Our hope is in, is in the power of our Savior, our King, and our kingdom which means our hope is in love because the economy of the kingdom of God is love, right? It is love that let, led Jesus to come and live the life we should have lived. It, it is love that kept him on the cross when he was dying the death we deserve to die. It was love that raised him from the grave in victory over our sin and then invited us to benefit from this incredible work that we had no part in other than our sin, right? It's, it's all love, and it is love that will personally redeem us and transform us. And it is love that will corporately redeem and transform the systems that we create. Love is our only hope personally, and love is our only hope systemically, that we can create systems together that are for the good of all. Learning to act in love. Finally, pray for eyes to see the opportunities around you to use your power and love for others. Pray for eyes to see the opportunities around you to use your power and love for others. Remember, love gives, love gives. That's a biblical concept. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Love, true love gives. It doesn't hoard, it's not greedy, it doesn't protect, love gives, right? So, so let me just free you up and give you the right burden here. You don't have to solve all the world's problems, right? If you feel the weight of every problem on a global scale, I want to free you from that. The king is going to solve the global problems, and he's going to do it just fine, and he's not dependent on you to do it. You are not burdened with being strong enough to fix everything and everyone around you. That is not your calling, nor is that your power. But you are called to love your neighbor. You are supernaturally empowered by God to love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? <laughs> the the ever-present question. Neighbor means near one, right? The person who lives in your cul-de-sac, the person who lives in your, in your neighborhood, the person who lives in your city, uh, the person who shares the highway with you, the person who shares your workplace with you, the, the person who shares social media space with you. Anytime you get near someone, you are called to love that someone, and you are supernaturally empowered to love that someone, right? You are called to love. Listen, that's what power is in the kingdom of God. To, be, to, be, to find your power in the Lord, to be strengthened by the Lord, is to be strengthened for love. 
to, to find your strength in the deep well of his authority and strength and capacity is to find strength to love. Love is the power of God that he uses to redeem and restore, to transform and change, to, uh, to address injustice and to, to bring equity, to, 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 to protect and to provide. It is, it is love working in you working through you. Listen to me. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to love. That means you're praying for opportunities to give. That means you're praying for opportunities to treat someone else the way you would want to be treated, even if they're not treating you the way you want to be treated. It, it, means, it means finding opportunities to, to not respond to snark with snark. It means you're looking for opportunities to, to be loving to those who are filled with bitterness and resentment, right? It means to, to give graciously to those who are not giving anything of themselves. Love doesn't give conditionally. Do, love doesn't look for who's deserving. Love doesn't say, well, I think you deserve it today or, or maybe you'll benefit me later down the line. Love gives. Pray, listen to me, pray for eyes to see the opportunities around you to love because listen to me, when you love, you grow powerful. Some of you are exhausted because you've stopped loving. You're just doing. Some of you, your tank is completely empty because you're, you're not filling it in the right place. When we fill our tank with the, the love of God that is beyond height, depth, breadth, scope, the infinite, infinite love of God, we will find an ever-renewing source of strength to love. When you love, you are powerful. When you love, when you really love, the kind of love that crosses enemy lines, the kind of love that, that reaches out and loves the unlovable, the kind of love that engages and serves and intervenes and protects and provides, the kind of love that lays down its privileges for the benefit of others. The kind of love that, that walks away from benefits that, that, that systemically may be theirs so that others might also reap the benefits that are not systemically theirs. Love. When we love, we grow powerful. When we love like Jesus did, we will grow to be more like Jesus. That's what it means to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. You following me? This is what it means. Love. Be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of His might, be undone by His love and be remade so that you learn how to love. And when we love, we will exercise our power for good. Let me close this in a word of prayer. We'll share communion in a moment and we'll continue worshiping in song. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. The incredible riches you have made available to us through your humble display of love. That Jesus, the Son of God, became the Son of Man. That he might live the life we should have lived and then die the death we deserve to die covered in our guilt, 
covered in our shame, suffering our abuse of power even as he worked out of true power. Hmm. Such humility, such beauty. And out of that was reborn hope for us. When Jesus died and then he rose again victorious over death, victorious over hate, victorious over over personal animosity and over systems of abuse and, and structures that were meant to disempower and rob him of dignity, that when he rose again, it was the rebirth not just of our king, but of the new kingdom that anchors us in our true hope. Lord, I pray that you might open the eyes of our hearts, that we might come to see the surpassing greatness of the power that is toward us, the power that is the working of your great might that you operated when you raised Jesus from the dead and sat him at the right hand of the throne on high. Break our hearts with that love. Fill our vision with that love. Fill our tanks with that love. Energize us with that love. And we pray it in the name of our worthy Savior, Jesus. Amen. We'll now continue worshiping. All right, thinking in the future, middle of July. I have no idea. The heck. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it gets a little sticky because it becomes, I don't, I don't know who they're going to be. All right. I'll just reiterate something with the message. You guys, thanks for joining us this morning. I hope you enjoy your day. Let's go out in the power of love, exercising that power, growing in that power, experiencing that power that we might be a community that is a city within a city, a light on a hill, that we can during a divisive and and broken time embody an invitation to something so much better. You guys, God bless you. Have a great day.